Hold on, I gotta go get my, I gotta go get those smelling salts. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PEPCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all around good people. It is week nine of 2022. I'm Chris Louie, and we are wrapping up day two of our mid-year sales kickoff. With me, I have my co-host Brian Deach, who diligently attends every session and takes copious amounts of notes. Yeah, not only do I take you know copious amount of notes, but then in my you know off hours, I I bust out tablets and I etch them in there forever. That way, I can never forget them. I don't take notes. That's my point. <laughs> They're on his white light board. <laughs> And we have Glenn Medina, who spent the majority of his sales kickoff at a piano bar hanging out with his CEO. Hey everyone, welcome back and thanks for joining us. Happy to be back for podcast number 49. What can I tell you? It was a blast to fly out to Vegas and hang out with some real people and not do it virtually. Fun times now are rolling at my new company, uh, Island, now that we're out of stealth. And yes, you know what? I did miss you guys in Vegas. I'm still trying to figure out how to install your browser man it's like can't find it in the app store what's up with that it's there's a reason for that i think it came out of stealth <laughs> mode <laughs> yeah. it's not a consumer browser brian oh dear diary mm. okay now i get it yes now i get it yeah it's like Some I almost had to pay for it you have to pay for it is that what you're trying to say yeah yeah all right oh, yeah so Just going back bit. to your joke about writing things on tablets, Brian. I, I read something the other day. It said that we originally wrote things on tablets and then tablets evolved and then we wrote things on scrolls and then scrolls were eventually replaced by books. But now and today we scroll through books on our tablets. But up uh, was that the dad joke of the week? <laughs> Did you start off early? <laughs> It's true, though. I think I actually read that not too long. Was that like on Twitter? Where'd you see that? Uh, it's, I saw it on a meme somewhere. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I think I posted it to the Dad Joke channel. Do, do you guys know who uh, William Tyndale is? William Tyndale. No I do idea. not. All right. So this dude was like, hey, you know, the Bible, it's only written in like Latin. That's kind of hard for people to read. They don't speak like English. I'm going to translate it. So he he translated like what we now have. I don't know what version of the Bible it is. And then once he was done, they're like, yeah, we're going to kill you. That was a terrible idea. Like, how, how dare you do that? So he only lived to be 42 years old. I came across that as a fun fact. Uh, I don't know why I'm telling you guys this, probably because we're talking about scrolls. But there you have it. Don't translate the Bible into uh, Klingon or else they're going to come get you. Oh, how unfortunate. He's just trying to do something good and spread the word. Right. No guests this week due to our event, but we do have a confirmed awesome guest next week, so be sure not to miss that one. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, for our opening topic, this will be our ransomware story of the week. It looks like the TrickBot botnet may officially come to an end. TrickBot, the notorious malware which is best known for creating a botnet and distributing ransomware, was once listed as the FBI's most dangerous malware. Multiple takedown attempts and arrests could not stop it from spreading and coming back. 
TrickBot's popularity was due to its modularity where attackers could use TrickBot to blast out spam, launch DDoS attacks, steal banking credentials. It was the true Swiss army knife of malware. Well, it looks like underground hacking crews also go through mergers and acquisitions, and the Conti ransomware crew has acquired the engineers and leadership behind TrickBot and will use them to further develop the more effective Bizarre Loader malware. I say TrickBot will officially come to an end since their engineers will now focus on Bizarre Loader and Conti ransomware, but as we know, nothing ever dies from the internet. We still have Nimda and Code Red running around the internet. Do we really have Nimda and Code Red scurrying about like a damn field mouse? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if you actually do like a, a Shodan search or something, you'll still see Nimda and Code Red just bouncing around. There's some unpatched boxes that are just still blasting this stuff out. Wow. I, I've heard of Conti, but not uh, Bazzer Loaded, so I'm going to have to check out that one. Is that as modular as TrickBot was? Yes, it's it's modular and it's it's more effective. So that it's it's better at evading antivirus. It's better at evading sandboxes. It's easier to spread. So they even before this 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 merger or acquisition, Bizarre Loader was gaining popularity over TrickBot just because TrickBot got the attention of law enforcement. They kept trying to take it down. AV vendors are focusing on on catching it. So they, they were naturally moving to bizarre loader anyway. It's, it's just the next evolution. I'm curious, like it's good at evading today, but will it be good at evading tomorrow? Like some of the, some of the stuff that the malware, you know, or trick bot would do, right. It would, you know, generate its own, like, excuse me, it would generate its own like binary, like a unique signature. That way it kind of evade like that, or it would do polymorphic code or, you know, insert a bunch of crazy white space in there just to make it look a little bit different or maybe lie dormant, registry reassignment. Do you know what they're doing here to do evade AV and, and sandboxing? It's all of the above. It's all of the above. Uh, that and then they have tricks to determine whether or not it's in a virtual environment because a lot of sandbox, a lot of sandboxes run in virtualized environments. So it has a trick for that. It has tricks that uh, attempt to crash the browser that makes... Uh, analysis like static analysis more difficult so it's it's everything you've heard of and more i think it's conti will i'm trying to remember what it can do is it's almost like a vdi for the bad guy so as it's running there it would literally show me like your screen and what you're doing and the mouse clicks and the keyboard strokes and all that good stuff which is pretty wild if you ask me yeah, it's it. Part of it is is the remote access Trojan that that's in it as well, so that's that's part of the modularity of it. You guys don't find this odd that it's the fact that it's a it's the ransomware gang taking over the malware operation like it's a conglomerate. It's no big deal. We're gonna take over. We're gonna buy the code or take over the code and kind of go things from there. <laughs> they are the Amway of malware. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> they even have an affiliate program. Can you can you buy in and be an angel investor to the Yeah, things? pretty much. So ah, the, one of the reasons, Brian, you might not have heard of, of Conti is they, they are a ransomware as a service crew, but they have a strict code of conduct for its affiliates. So their goal is to avoid law enforcement attention. So they typically ban their affiliates from attacking things like critical infrastructure, healthcare, 
schools, anything that would get them any unwanted attention. So they try to fly under the radar, hit targets that they know that'll pay and that won't cause public outrage if, if they're caught. You know, these guys are dumb. Like they're making our, you know, if you, if you are selling a security service, right. And you're, you're trying to sell them to that vertical. They're like, you know, we got these ransomware gangs. They don't even target us because we're good guys. I need a bad group of people that just go after everything. Who's that? Is it the Russians? Can we say that? What's up, Putin? You listening, bro? <laughs> Vladimir Putin is a listener, and I don't know if he'll be too happy about you saying that. But th there are definitely some ransomware crews out there that have no code of conduct. So when you think of the Reval gang before they hit Colonial Pipeline or... Uh, some of the other ransomware crews that just have no code of conduct. There's no shortage of people that are still willing to attack critical infrastructure, healthcare, and and schools. And and yes, a lot of the Russian APT crews are credited with hitting critical infrastructure and things like U.S. defense contractors. This is probably the one and only group out of all the groups that are out there that really have this pseudo code of conduct, right? Are there any others? No, I, I believe Black Matter also has has a code of conduct. So, like the major ones, all have this code of conduct for that exact reason. They didn't want to get revolved and and get blown out of existence because they attracted too much attention. So the bit larger, more, and I put this in quotes, but the more legitimate ones do have these code of conducts to avoid extra attention, and then these smaller ankle biters that'll just hit anybody for a quick buck. All right, for our next topic, we would be doing our listeners a disservice by not talking about the current conflict between Ukraine and Russia. At the time of this recording, Russia has begun moving troops into the eastern Donbas region of Ukraine, and the U.S. is officially calling it an invasion. So from Russia's perspective, they're not invading Ukraine. They're sending in, quote, peacekeepers into this region that they believe is actually part of Russia. We spoke on episode 46 about the potential collateral damage that can come from a cyber war between Russia and Ukraine. And just yesterday, Slack was down, as was AWS and a number of critical IT services. And while it could have been a total coincidence, it could also be related to Russian hacking in preparation for war. I was at the gym running a few days ago, and I was just thinking that at any moment, I could get that phone call from our VP saying that the entire internet is blacked out and we're all in DEFCON 1 trying to get things back online for ourselves and for our, our clients. Just like my parents had to practice nuclear bomb drills during the Cold War, I think this is just our new reality. My prediction is that the next intentional or accidental internet outage will be related to BGP, the Border Gateway Protocol. We saw the power of BGP when it took out the entire entirety of Facebook for over eight hours because someone input the wrong BGP routing command into the wrong router. We've also seen Pakistan single-handedly take down YouTube again by poor BGP routing. So the, the Facebook one was like, it was by someone that worked at Facebook. It was like a Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville situation, right? And for those of you that don't know the reference, like Jimmy Buffett was hang, you know, on his way to Margaritaville in a plane and I think he shot himself in the foot with his own handgun. So I think the, this, it wasn't a, really a, a radical attempt of, from someone trying to hack into Facebook. I think it was just some router jockey got a little too quick and commit save or commit whatever it is. And cause was it. it really though? Because there's background on that. I think I remember the episode we were talking that 
it could have been like, yeah, there's a BGP issue, but delete the servers because it's got some information on there. Right? <laughs> Remember that conversation? I don't listen to you guys when you yeah. talk, so I don't know. <laughs> it happened to coincide with the test point in Capitol Hill about the, the Facebook whistleblower. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, the official story, if you ask Facebook, is somebody put the wrong command in the wrong router and that erased everything. Meta, meta, meta. You're you're in a bad place right now. All the conspiracy theorists are going crazy right now. I just need someone to, you know, BGP an issue and then this like $21 billion show up into my checking account. And it's just there free and clear. Like, that would be good news. I'd still do the but podcast because I'm a great person. But so it, it, let's talk about that. Like, is BGP, right? Is, is a company so big that if they mess up their BGP routes that they can mess it up for other people as well? I think the answer is yes, right? Because what else we're seeing right now, if they're injecting the wrong BGP routes and how it works and how it's advertised, you're basically either black holing that service or, or the ability to take out others. I would assume so. Like just like China, you know, with the news and in, in Russia, everything's stateside, right? And so they're very big internet pipes that they have going in and out of the country still managed by most likely that country. They could, they could drop a route in, right? And try to say, oh, we are now Facebook or we are now Google. Yeah. We are now ChrisLouis.net. Like, Terrible, terrible things could happen. That's right. Yeah, that's the really the fragility of, of BGP because the story I referenced earlier, Pakistan was trying to censor YouTube during, I don't know, there's some insurrection or rebellion or protest there, and they were trying to censor YouTube. So they injected a BGP route that was supposed to only black out YouTube for Pakistan, but they accidentally advertised it to the global ISPs, and YouTube went down for, I think it was maybe two or three hours because this bad route that that Pakistan injected always a story behind an outage I think we're that's going to be safe to say from now on guys notice how yeah, Chris almost. was was dropping his like Russian accent in the previous episode but now that Russia's like kind of invaded Ukraine he's uh he's treading on thin eyes he's looking a little scared over there <laughs> hello my friends <laughs> hello my friends <laughs> hello my friends I knew I could give a nice day, day. <laughs> well, security researchers, security researchers over at Intel 471, they're actually observing an interesting trend that financially motivated crime like trafficking stolen credit cards and ransomware is on the decline in Russia, and most of the hacking coming out of Russia is now state-sponsored with their targets primarily in Ukraine. No, no surprise there. This is further backed by the numerous arrests of ransomware gangs and the seizure and closure of popular carding forums where hackers would trade stolen credit card data. And this is actually breaking news. As of about an hour ago or a couple hours ago, the sites of several Ukrainian government agencies, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Defense, Internal Affairs, Security Service, and the Cabinet of Ministers, and also the two largest state-owned banks in Ukraine are getting hit really hard right now by, by DDoS attacks, and their websites are effectively shut down right now. You say what kind of DDoS attack it was? Like it was like a TCB based one or NTP amplification? Uh, they did reference the Mirai botnet, so they they are getting hit by botnets. <laughs> it's likely DNS amplification, if I had to guess, but it is Mirai, so these are going to be likely compromised IoT devices. And there's another one; it might have been Satori or Reaper, one of the other large botnets. But yeah, that's 
That's what it looks like right now. Just a bunch of shivering Russians on their phones running a low orbit ion cannon from their Android device against these places. <laughs> Do you guys remember uh, that? You know what? That, Star that Wars. App? Yeah, I remember low orbit ion cannon. It was a Java based app, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure Ryan had a lot of fun with that. As long as the statute of limitations has expired, he can at least admit to that. Mm, you know. He still has it. <laughs> I don't think he did anything, right? I, I think it was like, all right, guys, uh, we're going to do this, all of us, at, you know, 9 o'clock Eastern time, and then I'm living in Arizona and not even aware of time zones. I'm like, boom, let's go. I'm like three hours late, so. <laughs> Party's over. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> too little, too late. Yep. All right, for our next story, this is definitely concerning news for California residents, which is two-thirds of the podcast host. The California Immunization Registry, this is a website used to track who got the COVID vaccine, which one they got, and when, has been hacked. Security reporter Brian Krebs reported on his Twitter account that the website is now advertising and pushing out spam for Cialis and other pharmaceutical scams. Again, this is the official California immunization registry for the 35 plus million residents of California, and it's now advertising erectile dysfunction pills. When using a Chromium-based browser, Google says, this site may be hacked. It's that big red warning that shows up because now the site is hosting spam. A couple months ago, this is actually a discussion we had in, in our household that some members of my household registered with the state of California to get that fancy QR code and some did not. The QR code was required for entry to some venues or indoor dining at the time as proof of vaccination. And personally, I went with the clear health pass, which was also widely accepted as a proof of vaccination, but it did not require me to turn over my medical information to the state. I'm not paranoid. I just tend to trust the private sector a little more than my state government. And I was proven right yet again. You know, these are like total potheads that did it They're like, Hey, bro, <laughs> got an idea. Let's send out a mass email for boner pills to all these people we just preached. Like, it's, just, it's so random. I don't understand it. I love it, though. Only in California, Brian. <laughs> Only in California. Although I think, well, you know, I think, uh, I think smoking, you know, the Doge is, is legal in Arizona nowadays, too. So, but I don't think we have like a stateside registry. Or maybe we do. I don't know. I think a whole bunch of everyone does. I, I was under the assumption, but I guess some states may or may not have it. Yeah, I guess it depends how strict it is. Because in California, some counties are really strict that you had to show your proof of vaccination. Just go inside somewhere. I know for New York, not only did you have to show your proof of vaccination with the QR code, you also had to show your ID to make sure you were who you said you were. So it depends on the state, I guess, how, how strict they wanted to be. I think if I had a QR code just to troll them, I'd have like a fake one. And every time they scan it, just, it redirects them to the, uh, the Rick roll page. That'd the Rick roll them. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or to boner medication. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> so what, what actually happened was the state of California in their, in their infinite wisdom hosted the registry website on GoDaddy instead of a secure government facility. GoDaddy got hacked, and the rest is history. 
This actually reminds me of a story from a few years back. I know a guy, he owns a painting company out here in, in Northern California, and he was telling me a story, and the strangest thing was happening to his website. If you went to his website directly at like painterbob.com, and don't go there, it's an example website, I have no idea what's actually hosted there. But if you went directly to the website, it was fine. It shows painting website, it has contact info, and everything was good. If you went to Google or Bing and searched for Painter Bob and clicked on his website from a search engine, it would take you to a different website and try to sell you Viagra and Cialis. He could not figure out what was happening for the longest time, so I dug into the page source code and found a snippet of code in there that said, if the referring page was from a search engine, send them to the ED pill site, otherwise display the legitimate page. And that's really sneaky because when I go to my website, I always go to my website by typing chrislouis.com or chrislouis.net. I never search for the best security blog and podcast on the planet and go to my website that way. So if we did, would we get to bonerpills.com? Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I should actually check that, make sure my site hasn't been compromised. So this is like the, all that refer header, right? I mean, it's basically if it's coming from this, there's a little tag inside your website that says go ahead and refer them to the uh, to the the alternate website. I think Brian, you had talked about that a while back, right? The, like changing headers or whatnot, or changing a website. Maybe. Yes, I would manipulate headers all the time back in the day. I never did one to nefariously redirect someone somewhere, but I would put in little messages. Uh, here and there. I remember I had set the the strict transport security time on uh, that header to like uh, my birthday when I turned, I think, 60. And like, I don't know why, but it was just, I was like, oh, that's funny. And then anytime you go to that, that banking website, <laughs> that, that cookie you got, Brian Deach was there, baby. <laughs> Until you turn 60, then it expires. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure it's gone by now. Yeah. Yeah, so what happened was my buddy's site got hacked, and instead of defacing it or injecting you know, MageCart malware, all they did was just add this little bit of code that checks the referrer tag, and if it was a search engine like Google or Bing, then it'd send you to an alternate site. And Pretty clever. I mean, that's that's pretty stealthy. Like No, no one goes to their website by searching for it. I like that. That's that's pretty creative. But, you know, I'm not, I can't let you off the hook for this. The state of California, you're putting GoDaddy on blast that they did something wrong. It is not their fault, right? It was probably like a PHP admin type of thing that got people in. I'm sure that GoDaddy's secure, although they they do kind of cater criminals. I'm not going to lie to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, I am going to put GoDaddy on blast because it's been very well documented that their, I forgot if it was their support team or somebody got social engineered into giving out their credentials and a lot of people got uh, hurt because of, of GoDaddy's negligence. So they, I'm not going to say they're perfect. They get hacked just like everybody else, but they do have a history of getting getting breached. The only thing I remember um, GoDaddy from is Danica. The commercials, Danica, yeah. Danica, Danica, Danica. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's why I use GoDaddy. I don't know if she's a spokesperson for him anymore. I don't think she is. I don't think so. No, I'm sure we would have seen more commercials if she still was. Yeah. So, so true story. Back in a former life, we were we were trying to sell them uh, some low bouncers, and it, it came down to like the the very end. And they're like, "We'll do it," but like when you go to the SSL certificate page on your low bouncer, we need to have a link in there that says, "Click here to you know grab a, a GoDaddy cert." And everyone looked at them like, 
what are you thinking? Like, no, we're not going to do that. Like, this is not going to happen. And they, they got so offended, they went and bought A10. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they were legit about that, that request. Why are you holding up ACDC? That's an A10. Oh, is it really? A10, yeah, it's an A10 sticker. Oh. Uh-huh. That's really odd that Glenn has an A10 sticker and he has an on-demand when Brian references them. In typical, like, you know, Chinese-held companies, they're they're stealing product and portfolio from everybody else, including their advertising. Let's make A10 look like ACDC. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe our stock will go over $6. Who knows? Our being A10, not... That was a long time ago. I got that sticker. It must have been like four or five years ago. So it's kind of odd that you were you were mentioning them, and I was like, I'm looking at my cup. Yeah, maybe I should take that off. On the topic of intellectual property theft from from China, now we're getting totally off topic. So this will be the last thing we say about it before we move on. But I remember a while ago when uh, when when China was copying Cisco. Because essentially, you know, to do business in China, they say you have to turn over your source code. We have to, quote, review it, make sure there's no backdoors. Um, and then they do a lot of manufacturing in China. And Cisco had intentionally put, like, random holes in the motherboard or the, the their logic boards or the circuit boards. They just put random holes there just for no reason. And then, sure enough, there's these... Uh, routers and switches coming out from these Chinese manufacturers that had those same random holes as the the Cisco routers, and they even had things like the instruction manuals. They all they did was change Cisco to you know Chinese corporation, and they even had like the same misspellings in the instruction manuals too. <laughs> That's really funny. You know the the stories. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but like if you needed to ship something to like in country you should just ship a little extra. Like I, I actually worked for a company where it was like, we need to send like a hundred servers over there, which means we need to send about like 125 and then a hundred will arrive and 25 will go missing. <laughs> so the, those are the, uh, the import duties, the import customs. Yeah. That's right. Somewhere over there, a, a, an official has 25 servers that they don't know what to do with. <laughs> Cost of doing business. All right, for our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week. This week, it's a humorous story about why crime does pay. Sweden has to pay convicted drug dealers $1.5 million due to a prosecutor's mistake. So what happened was three men were convicted of selling drugs online back in April of, of 2019, and at the time... They seized 36 Bitcoin, which at the time was worth about $150,000. The prosecutor made the mistake of listing the, quote, debt to the state in Swedish kroners. So that's actually fiat currency instead of the Bitcoin. So after the gentlemen did their time, they got out of jail. The state auctioned off the Bitcoin and the price of Bitcoin went from $4,500 per Bitcoin to about $50,000 per Bitcoin. So almost a 11 fold increase. So the drug dealers, they pay their $150,000 debt to society, and they get to keep the surplus, which is about $1.5 million. So you heard it here, boys and girls. Crime does pay. And again, going to jail is the ultimate hodl. (laughs) Because you have no choice. What are you going to (laughs) do? You can't transact that. That's kind of funny. You're right. It is the ultimate hodl. 
you know, Sweden's looking more and more attractive to me every single day. Yeah. That's well, also what what are the chances the prosecutor's gonna make that mistake again? I it if you think if any other state or country to be like tough, doesn't matter, like it's gone. Yeah. Our Good bad, luck. whatever. Yeah. Oh, it'd be like it goes. <laughs> Whoopsie. Just goes missing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Went to the bank and I came out with the exact amount of money that we owe you and not the yeah. $1.5 million that due to the rise in Bitcoin value. Schladhagen, pull him by his pony. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Just thought I'd say it. Well, good That's for them. NFT now. Hopefully they can, <laughs> uh, they can capitalize. What do you think they're going to do with that money though? Buy chocolate. I was going to think they're just going to, they just going to buy more drugs and try to sell it online on a different marketplace. Uh, I don't think so. I'm thinking McDonald's run, a couple Xboxes, just live it out. How many people actually were arrested? Three. three. All right. So, so about a divide 1.5 million by three. Carry That's the a four. lot of McRibs. <laughs> That's a lot of McRibs, baby. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's... So that's an interesting question, Brian. So there's two ways to think of this. So I don't know enough about the Swedish criminal justice system to know if what the recidivation rate is over there. But I know over here, I've listened to enough Darknet Diary podcasts to know that once people get go this route, they go down the rabbit hole, it's really, really tough to not get sucked back into that life, at least here in, in the U.S., that people do these crimes, they do cyber crimes, they steal credit cards, they sell drugs online, they get accustomed to some type of lifestyle, they get out and they don't have that kind of lifestyle anymore. It's really easy to fall back into those those bad habits. But you know, that's the US. I don't know how it is in Sweden if they really do reform people in, in jail there or not. There is a zero percent chance that if I ever did something dumb enough to go to jail that I would ever be a repeat offender. I cannot tell you. Like prison break has taught me like enough of, of that life. I don't want anything to do with it. Great job, Glenn. Way to follow up on that. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're okay. What do you say behind the great Bryant? Well, Glenn said he doesn't look good in silver handcuffs. So I don't know if we necessarily That's have right. to worry about that. Yeah. Now, gold Silver bracelets. Stock, baby. All right. Yeah. Golden handcuffs. Another <clears throat> story. That's right. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Brian is up. All right. For most people, when you lose your khakis, you lost your pants. But if you're from Boston and lose your khakis, you can't start your car. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I know Bill will enjoy that one when he hears it. <laughs> All right, to wrap things up, I am more likely to get an Uber ride than Brian or Glenn. Trickbot is officially going away, but its creators merged with the Conti ransomware group. The war between Russia and Ukraine will inevitably spill over to the rest of the cyber world. GoDaddy got breached, and that will allow, and that allowed the California vaccine registry to get hacked. And crime does pay. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pebcac Podcast. 
thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rate us five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pepcat Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Glenn and Chris have a joint OnlyFans account. <laughs>